opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. platform of how we should, you know, endure struggles and sufferings and things of that nature. And so over in Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, it reads, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Verse 3 and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Amen? And so for the last few weeks, I've, I've been thinking about this whole notion of hope. And as you look at the state of America and all that's taking place around the world, it appears that people do not have hope. They are, we are entering into a stage in which people are hopeless. Amen? And so... Um, I leave for Burkina Faso, West Africa tomorrow, and I will be over there for eight days. I'm doing a um, um, a, a crusade. I'll be ministering on twice on Sunday and each night up until the time I leave next next week. And so, one of the reasons I think God is sending me there is because I have I have discovered hope, and I had a some situation that happened in my life that allowed me to see things from a different perspective. So, excuse me. <laughs> What has happened to me is that there was a time in my life when my, my faith was waning. I grew weary and well-doing. I was frustrated by my life. And as a result of that, what I said about my life impacted my life. And so in Romans chapter 5, in verse 3, it really talks about how we should endure struggles, how we should endure suffering, how we should endure heartaches how we should endure anything that is contrary to what we desire. And it talks about us boasting in our sufferings and boasting in our struggles. And so the question is, is how do you do that? How do you boast about what you're going through versus complaining about what you're going through? And I think it stems from a perspective. It's easier to boast in what you're suffering or enduring when you have a relationship with the Lord. It's easy to boast when you see God moving in your situation, though you are uncomfortable, though you're suffering, though you're struggling, and though you're weary. But if you're unable to see God in your situation, it's going to be very difficult to boast. But for those of us who are able to boast, you have to know that it's not natural. That when you are enduring sufferings and when you're enduring headaches, that it's not natural 
humanly natural to boast about it. And so there's a famous poem by W.E. Henley called Invictus. And many of us who have read that poem have been a part of, you know, fraternities or sororities or just poem lovers. But W.E. Henley wrote this poem when he was laying in his hospital room. One of his legs had been amputated and another leg was up to be amputated. And so when the post, when the poet W.E. Henley was lying in the Edinburgh infirmary, he wrote this poem Invictus. Out of the night that covers me, black as a pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever God may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not what, excuse me, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate and I am the captain of my soul. And as I read that poem and been studying it out, I realized that despite Henley's circumstance, he produced a poem that I just read, which is three or 400 years old. And so the question comes, what are we producing as a result of our struggles? What are we producing as a result of our suffering? Because it's oftentimes in the midst of our sufferings and our struggles that God gives us an idea. God gives us a vision. God gives us a resolution on how to get out of the situation. But we're so preoccupied by the situation that all we're doing is adding fuel to the fire in terms of how we talk about the situation. And so Paul is trying to suggest to us that we take a different route in how we discuss our trauma, how we discuss our suffering. Amen? And so as I leave to go to West Africa tomorrow, I'm certain that's a part of my message that God will have me to share because it's something I've been talking about as a result of me changing up how I've been talking about my own situation. My life has shifted and my life has changed. But it didn't change until I changed my mindset. It didn't change until I realized the way in which I've been talking about it, enduring it, and dealing with it was not benefiting me. And so I was seeking another option. And so in verse three of chapter five of Romans says, and not only, and not only that, but we also both in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance. The more that we suffer, the more that we struggle, we seem to develop some stamina. And so this is the blessed part of what we're going through. See, when you're going through what you're going through, you're creating stamina. You're creating endurance. Amen? And once you create the stamina and the endurance, you begin to realize that that which you're going through is that greater than God that's on the side of you. No, is it greater than the place God is taking you through. And so over in Psalms 23, it talks about, yea, I walk through the shadow of death, but I fear no evil for your, your rod and your staff shall comfort me and protect me. So we're going to go through some dark days. We're going to go through some dark moments, but we shouldn't hang our head. We should hold our head up high, believing that we've gone through worse as a people. We've gone through worse culturally, class, financially. We've gone through worse. And so if we've gone through worse in our past without God, how much more can we endure with God? 
And I am not promoting struggle. I'm not promoting suffering. I am promoting a mindset in which you endure suffering and struggle from a position of being a victor versus being a loser. I'm attempting to get us to see that we have the ability and the power to shift and get on top of our problem and to get our problem off of us. Because oftentimes we're unable to deal with situations because we are attached to the wrong thing. If you are attached to complaining or if you are attached to venting or if you are attached to the situation or people who cause the situation, we have to detach from things that are not benefiting us and has given us power and has given us the strength or that's given us stamina. Because once you're able to get that stamina to endure, then it also says that endurance produces character. So how you suffer and how you endure produces character. So what is character? Character is who you are when no one else is around. You know, character is who you are when you look in the mirror. Character is a byproduct of your attitude. This is why Jesus talks about in Matthew 6 about the be attitude, meaning what kind of attitude do you have? What kind of perspective do you have? What kind of view do you have about that which you're dealing with? Because that determines your destination. How you see your problem determines where your problem is leading you to. And so we're not seeing our problem out of a position of faithfulness, out of a position of production, meaning that we're going through what we're going through, not for not, but we're going through what we're going through because God is going to use us, amen, to help somebody else who's going through something else. But if we have to learn to endure our sufferings and struggles with better character, with better character. My grandmother passed in January of this past year, and one of the things that she taught me over the years, and I didn't like it, I didn't like it, um, my grandmother had a way <clears throat> of compartmentalizing struggle and challenges. I recall um, I was having a, a situation with my daughter, and my older daughter, my, my oldest born, and I was unable to have a relationship with her. And she sat and told me how she did not have a relationship. It took her over 25 years to wait to have a relationship with my mother. And I couldn't fathom what she was saying. She was telling me about how she suffered and she struggled and all that took place. But with that being said, she didn't say anything bad about my mom, about the situation. She just said, God saw me through that. And as a result of that, my, my daughter and I are closer than ever. And she was able to endure that situation for 25 years. And she said she never told my mom. She never told anybody. But it is something that she always wanted to repair. And it took 25 years. And I was angry at her for even suggesting that to me because I was only focused on what I could see. But my grandmother had endured her struggle in such a way that no one even knew that she was struggling. And that's what I mean by character. The character means that you're going through something and no one has to know. You don't need the attention. Amen? Because oftentimes when we're going through what we're going through, we're really are seeking attention. We're really are seeking someone to co-sign on what we're going through. But my grandmother didn't do that. She just endured because she believed that God was going to give her what she desired. So she, she endured quietly. She never changed up her attitude or her disposition. And she all was approaching things from a position that God has already worked it out. What am I worrying about? So she was approaching her life and her struggle, her suffering from a faith position versus a faithless position. 
And so from a faith position, she saw opportunity to change. She saw opportunity to grow. And as a result of that, her character grew. And as her character grew, that produced a hope that gave her what she desired. And this happened uh, about two or three years ago before she passed away. She told me that her daughter, which was my mother, called her mom. And she hadn't heard her daughter call her mom in a many of years because she was raised by my great-grandmother. My mother was raised by my great-grandmother. Amen? So my mom called my, her great-grandmother mama. But she called her mother by her first name, Maggie. But what that did, it taught my grandmother how to endure things she didn't necessarily like or agree with. And as a result of that, she developed a character. And she began to teach us about the importance of being moral, about the importance of being honest, about the importance of being true, about the importance of being loving, about the importance of always trusting God, about the importance of always not allowing what we go through to, to be on top of us, but for us to get on top of it. You know, it's almost like what Jacob did over in Genesis chapter 32 when Jacob was wrestling with, with the angel or the divine being. And Jacob was wrestling with this person. And the person, the angel said, let me go. And Jacob said, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And once I began to read it, I began to say, hold on. We have the capacity and the power to speak to the struggle that we are doing and command it to bless us. Like, why would we not want our pain to bless us? If nothing else, we should learn that something that we should not have to do again. Because if we are enduring pain about the same thing, then there's obviously a reason as to why it's happening. Amen? And so what Jacob did, Jacob spoke to his situation, and he got blessed as a result. The angel changed his name, and Jacob went on to great fame. But in the midst of that situation, Jacob was hurt. It says in the scripture that, that you know, he was, he was his, his, his hip socket was put out of place. And so as I began to look at that, I began to think, hold on, his hip socket was put out of place because that's what he relied on. He relied on his hips. So God had to put his hip socket out of place in the midst of his struggle so he would learn to rely on God. And I think that's what's happening with many of us. We're going through what we're going through, and God is trying to teach us to rely on him and not look at the situation. Greater is he that is in us than that is in the world. So if that be the case and we embrace that, then any situation that we go into, then we are larger than the situation, despite how impossible it looks, despite how large the mountain looks. We are larger than the situation because God dwells on the inside of us. We're created in the image of God. We are divine beings. We have the power to procreate by the basis of our tongue. This is why it speaks by the scriptures that life and death and the power of the tongue. That which we speak, we're able to generate a kind of life that we desire. But if we're constantly speaking negatively about our suffering, about what we're going through, we're going to attract that into our life. Amen? Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. What's going on in your life is a result of what you've spoken and of how you've handled your suffering and your struggles. So God would have us to make a shift to get 
from the bottom of the problem to get on top of the problem. And the only way we can get on top of the problem is by trusting God according to Scripture, believing in Romans 8.28, that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. All means all, even your suffering, even your joys, even your pain, even your struggles. All means all. All of that is working together for your good for those who love the Lord. And our love of the Lord should strengthen us and empower us. Amen? So that's what it should be taking place. That's what we should be doing, is getting on top of our struggles, getting on top of our suffering, getting on top of our problems, getting on top of whatever obstacle that is preventing us from being where we feel or know we're supposed to be. So we have to approach suffering from a different attitude. We have to approach suffering with a different perspective. We have to approach suffering from the mindset that I am greater than that which I am enduring. I'm, in, I'm greater than that which I am going through. Matter of fact, I am so great that what I am going through is going to bless me as a result. So that's a different mindset. That's a different mindset. And until we take on that mindset, we will continue to feel like we are the tail and not the head, that we are beneath and not above. The scripture says that we should be above and not beneath, the head and not the tail. So those who are believers, the Christians who are feeling less than the head or feeling less than above, suggest that you have a wrong perspective. And in order to get a new perspective, you need to change your mind. And the only way that you can change your mind as you go through your struggle is by relying on the scriptures. You've got to apply this scripture to your life. You know, there's a lot of new wave religions out here that have not stood the test of time. One of the reasons why I go to the Bible as a source of spiritual strength is because it has stood the test of time for thousands of years. And I enjoy reading. And those, and those reading these books are great, right? But the Bible has stood the test of time. It has been examined. It has been ridiculed. It has, been, it has gone through the ringer. But what people fail to realize, it is still the word of God. And it's still saving. It is still delivering. It is still empowering. It's still giving people peace. It's still giving people joy. It's still about love. In spite of the opposition, no one can argue of the love that, that jumps off of the pages for those of us who believe. That's why we hold on. That's why we continue to fight. That's why we refuse to grow weary and well-doing, because we believe that in due time, we shall reap the harvest if we faint not. This is why we don't, we don't, we're not, we're not, we're not afraid of the future, right? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has given us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So if we are grappling with fear, where did fear come from? Oftentimes, fear is a result of, of, of what's happened externally. And then once that fear takes place internally, then we have a greater problem. But in America, we're raised with fear. In this world, fear is a way of life. Fear is marked to us on television. Think about the whole COVID. It was all about pushing fear, fear. People using, the world using, the culture using fear to motivate. Fear to get people to do this. Fear to get people to do that. That's not the way of the Lord. God's movement is based on love. It's all about love. See, once we understand how God operates and how God moves, then we can really get this abundant life. And so in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, it's really a picture of, of your spiritual work, your spiritual walk. 
and your spiritual journey. And so when you're looking at this from now on, I hope you take on a different perspective because it really gives you good information about what we should be producing when we're going through what we're going through. That's just the bottom line. What are you producing? Are you, what are you producing as a result of the tongue and your mouth? So if life and death is the power of the tongue and we have the power to produce, what are you producing? The good brother Scott Reed of Black Talk Radio, he saw a problem in his struggles and his suffering, and he created Black Talk Radio because he saw a problem in which black people didn't have a venue to talk and to devise solutions. So what the good brother did, he produced, he created a platform for people of melanin of the diaspora to come and to share their perspective. He's a producer. He's not just complaining about the problem. He devised a resolution for the problem. And that's what we should be doing as Christians, as born-again believers. When we, when we see a problem, we have to create a resolution to the problem. And if you're not creating a resolution to the problem, then you are a part of the problem because all you are doing is complaining about the problem. And you're making things worse. So we have to utilize our mouth, utilize our tongue to create life and to produce. And once we get to a place of producing, the main ingredient of production has to be hope. People need hope. And it says in verse 5, and hope does not disappoint. How many of us have been disappointed by our hope? You were hoping for something to happen. You were hoping for somebody to change. You was hoping to get that job. You was hoping to get this. You was hoping to get that. And then you got disappointed. And once your hope disappoints you, you begin to step away slowly from God because you, it's almost like you're disappointed God didn't give you what you want, but maybe that wasn't what you were supposed to have. So hope has disappointed, and we do feel disappointed. But I would hope you know that Hope does not disappoint. We're disappointed by our own thoughts, by expectations of what we're hoping for. How am I hoping for that which I'm not supposed to have, right? So you are disappointed not by hope. You're disappointed not by God. You're disappointed by your own false expectations of entitlement, thinking you deserve something, and maybe you don't deserve it. Maybe God has something better for you. And so that's my perspective on life. If I don't have what I desire, maybe I'm not supposed to have it. Or maybe it's not the time or the season. But as a result of that, I'm not going to complain about it. What am I going to do? I'm going to continue to boast in my suffering. I am going to continue to you know, produce endurance. I'm going to continue to produce character. I'm going to continue to produce hope. Because if we are producing hope, then there's a chance somebody's eyes may be open. If we are producing hope, then there's a chance we could save a life. If we are producing hope in terms of how we endure, then we can ins inspire somebody else to not give up. So we must be hope sellers, not dope sellers, but hope sellers. We have to be always promoting, producing, and selling hope because that's what opens up the eyes of the people. That's what gets God's attention. That's when God stands up and says, oh, hold on, this person's producing hope. Let me bless them so they can reproduce more hope for the world. Amen? So we have to make sure that we're in the right place at the right time, organizing with people, socializing with people who are about producing hope and peace 
and love and joy. See, we have to be organizing around hope, peace, and love a way people organize around chaos, violence, and ungodliness. See, you have all these gangs out here who are organized, but those of us who say we love the Lord, we're supposed to be more organized. The church should be more organized. Christians should be more organized. We should be producing so many great things on the earth, but we can't do it because we're too busy complaining about what's happening and if that's going to change anything. So I challenge anybody today, I challenge anybody today who's listening, and I don't know who's listening, that when you approach a problem, that you walk into this problem from the mindset that, one, I am going to endure it. Two, not only am I going to endure what I'm suffering, I'm going to produce, my character is going to change. So I got to go through this thing. And then as a result of that, it says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so once we have this inevitable power inside of us, in the Greek it's called hippomone. It's an unconquerable spirit. It is, a, it is the, the mindset that I will not lay down, that I'm going to face every obstacle head on. See, that's how our ancestors got over. That's how we created the church. See, and, and I'll, I'll, we've already taken a break, and I'll come back in. I'm going to close out with some information of how African Americans have shifted faith, how African Americans have created a faith movement based off of their police that people are trying to emulate. And so once we of the diaspora change our spiritual positioning, things will begin to change. Amen? So let's take a, a little break for a commercial break, and then we'll come back on and we'll finish this thing out. Thank you all for tuning in. Again, this is Talking Faith with Pastor Ellis O'Henderson, and we're discussing Romans 1 through 5, enduring struggles, enduring struggles, you know, with hope. We talk about how we, how we should be enduring our struggles with hope. So let's take a few seconds for running commercial and we'll get right back to y'all. Thank y'all for tuning you in. You are tuned in back to you. the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. We're back. Um, I am Pastor Ellis O'Henderson, and this is Talking Faith with Pastor O'Henderson. We're on Black Radio Network. I would thank Scotty Reed and Black Talk Radio Network. We also thank the Way of the Lord Fellowship. Um, in my last segment, I was talking about um, how we endure and how we struggle, and I ended out talking about the African-American church. And so the African-American church was basically started by slaves. Um, in the brush arbor of a plantation, they would oftentimes go in the forest or the wooded areas, and they would identify a place, and they would worship all day long. And it was during those, those brush arbor moments in the middle of the night that the people gained strength to continue to endure slavery. So though they were suffering as a result of slavery, they endured the suffering. Amen? And as a result of that suffering, they produced right, some endurance. And that endurance produced some character in the slaves, our foreparents. <clears throat> I don't want to refer to them as slaves, but they were enslaved Africans. But their mentality, though they was a slave, they, they were looking for something better because they believed. And I don't know what has happened from then until now. <clears throat> but I assume what has happened is that, <clears throat> excuse me, 
we as a people have forgotten from whence we came. We, have, we as a people have forgotten that the, it was the church and the believers that has toppled segregation, that has toppled racism, that has toppled discrimination and Jim Crow. It was the church. And one reason that we are not toppling the same issues that we toppled 40 or 50 years ago is a result of a lack of faith. We are relying on a Democratic Party that is, I refer to as Democrats. We rely on a Republican Party, because they're a bunch of thugs. They're, they are organized gangs. They're trying to cipher off our community strength to follow behind them. I say this ungodly. I say that we have to establish our own, and the church has to be a center. The church has to do a better job of building schools. The church has to do a better job of creating an economy in the African-American community. The church has to do a better job of creating financial institutions. The church has to do a better job of creating health centers and things that we need. The church has to do a better job of providing farms and fresh-grown food. There's so much money coming to the church. Why are we not producing more for the people? The church has to be more about than the pastor's Mercedes or the, the pastor's one in the plane. We have the capacity and we have the strength to rebuild our communities using the church. And that's what we should be doing. So if your church is not talking about health insurance and creating a health system, if your church is not talking about, you know, providing jobs or creating a school so our children can get what they need, if your church is not talking about, you know, having healthy food and growing farms and making those kind of connections, then it's not a church. It's just another organization. But the church should be filled with love. The church should be filled with peace. The church should be filled with joy. The church should be filled with people who are able to endure, not only to endure and to suffer with some, with some character, but to produce hope in the next generation. We got to produce hope in our kids. We got to produce hope in our children's children's children. And the only way we can do that is by doing the God thing. We have to do things differently. We have to approach problems differently. We have to collaborate, organize, and socialize with like-minded people who are trying to do something phenomenal in this earth. We're trying to change a direction, and this is our opportunity to make a change. This past week, over in Burkina Faso, West Africa, there was a terrorist attack that killed 28 soldiers and four civilians in northern Burkina Faso. And the people were upset, and they're, they're angry at the president. They want the president to resign because the president is not protecting the country. It's not the president's job to protect the country. It is, it is our job as believers to pray a covering over the country and over our loved ones. That's what my grandmother did. My grandmother wasn't a wealthy woman financially, but she was wealthy spiritually. She knew how to pray. She knew how to cover us. And she would always tell me, ain't nothing going to happen to you, boy. I prayed a bubble over you. And though many of her grandchildren, you know, have gone on and gone to jail, if they went to jail, they were still protected because she prayed a covering over us. And so she had shown me how to pray that same covering over my children and children's children. So the problem is, we don't know how to pray. And the problem is we don't believe what we're praying for. So when, we, when I go to Burkina Faso, that's my message, is that we have to change how we're praying. We cannot complain about the very same thing we're praying to God about. We have to change our perspective. We have to understand who we are. And we have to utilize this power of prayer because we're always going to have to deal with balance. 
But the best way to deal with violence or hatred is with love. Love is the only strength that we have. And organizing and talking about love is, is, is the same as talking about faith. So when I'm talking about creating schools and health centers and all that, I'm talking about faith. When I'm talking about producing hope, I'm talking about faith. See, I'm talking about we should be discussing things that are building and constructing versus deconstructing and collapsing. As a people of the diaspora, the African diaspora, it is time that we shift our thinking. It is time that we shift how we speak. It's time that we shift our association and that we should be producing, producing love, producing, you know, you know um, um, new inventions, producing peace. How can we produce peace? How can we produce happiness? That's by collaborating to meet the needs of the people. So we have to come together men and women, boys and girls, we have to come together and collaborate. You know, regardless of our religious affiliation, I am a Christian, but my Muslim brother, I don't have a problem with him, or my Buddhist brother, or those who are not believing. Because at the end of the day, we all fall under the umbrella of African spirituality. And that's and so in African spirituality, we don't judge. We just love. We may disagree because of our, of our respective faith, but that... The school district in Utah is under intense... Amen? So... As we close out, I want you to stay encouraged. I want you to continue to, to work together with other like-minded people. Check us out at the Way of the Lord Fellowship on Facebook Live on Sundays at, at 10.30 as well as on Tuesdays at 6.30. Um, you know, hit me up on Facebook. You can reach out to me on, on Talking Faith with, you know, with EOH at gmail.com. Talking Faith with EOH at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that something I said has sparked um, uh, a different way of thinking or a different perspective. Thank you once again to the Black Talk Radio Network. Thank you once again for those joining the way of the Lord. Of course, always thank my good friend and good brother, Scotty Reed, and everybody else. Richmond, I'm RVA Soul. I'm Priscilla, Bonita, thank y'all. Thank Richmond. Just thank everybody, and let's continue to work together, and let's continue to talk faith to build up our community. Amen? Thank y'all very much. Have a good day. Have a good week. I'll be, I'll be calling y'all next week from Burkina Faso, West Africa. Have a good day, amen.